Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts 15. That is on page 1718 in your pew Bibles. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas <clears throat> into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. <clears throat> this news made all their brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished... James spoke up, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it. That the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Who does these things that have been known for ages? It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Silas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia, greetings. We have heard that someone out from us, without our authorization, distributed, disturbed you and troubling 
your minds of what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You are to. <clears throat> you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The men were sent off and went to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Thanks, Wayne. We're reading from uh, Acts uh, 15. Our text is verse 19, where they say, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are looking at the four essentials of, of renewal, church renewal. We've been looking at some of those over the last few weeks, and we are going to look at the last one this morning, the fourth one. In doing that, we are, we are thinking, too, about how God would want us to be as church and how we would best serve him here. Now, we've looked, first of all, at the centrality of our Lord Jesus, so the front wall of the church is our example where we have the clear sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, and next Sunday we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, remembering his death, his saving death. And we have, too, even the chair here, thinking, too, the living presence of Jesus, that our, our focus is, first of all, as a church, always on Jesus. That's number one essential as a church. And when people come, when we talk to people, we, we share as Christians, as a church, that hope. And then we had this wall, which was kind of the windows looking out that, that, that we are called by Jesus to minister to those around us. And to do that through just our, our witness, uh, different ministries of the church, to, to have a view to what God would have us do here, a real vision of, of what we can do to engage people for the truth of the gospel. And then we talked about the back where people step up to lead, and then in that leadership too, they, they see God calling them, Jesus calling them to take part in specific ways in that work of ministry in the church and out into the community. And so... So those are essential aspects of what it means to be church. This morning, we come to the fourth wall. The fourth wall has windows in it. And this time, this time, I want you to imagine the windows on this wall 
are people looking in. So on this wall, we look out, absolutely. And we need to look out into the community. The window on this wall is people looking in. And, and you can imagine people just looking through the window or looking through the door even when they walk by. And when people look in, then what? And, and the picture is this. It's absolutely Jesus. We proclaim the name of Jesus. And Jesus in his power by his spirit, through the vision he gives us, helps us to connect with people. And, and we're out there in the community. And then at a certain point, you yourself too feel led to say, hey, what if, what if you, my neighbor, my friend, someone who doesn't know the Lord, what if you come to our church? And then, and then they're standing outside looking in. What's going on here? Wondering what's going on here. And then, and then, by God's grace, you can imagine, you should imagine, you need to understand how fearful it is for people who aren't part of this church and who aren't really familiar with things of the faith. And so they, they look in and, and they, they don't know what goes on here. They are not sure if they can be part of it. And then it, even if they come in and even if they walk through the door and even if you have said to them to come and sit with me, and all of that, and then, and then this whole sense of, of their coming in. Can we actually receive them? That's the thing. Do we actually welcome them? Thanks, Brad. That was an excellent children's message. Or not. I mean, what... That, I mean, that's, that's the point in the end, right? This wall is the point. Absolutely, we need to proclaim and love Jesus. We need to have a vision. We need to have those who lead. But in the end, when people actually come in, we need to welcome them, enfold them, disciple them. They need to feel welcome here among us. That's what we're looking at this morning, to be ready to receive people into this fellowship, to accept and unfold and fully integrate people into this group of believers so that they feel loved and welcomed by the Lord in a safe and encouraging place. And the question is, do we do that? In that sense, are we a healthy church? A healthy church is, is kind of the term that's put on it in terms of the renewal process, but that, that sense of, of the whole structure working together, but that especially to, as God calls us to, to go out and make disciples, then we need to be able to welcome them in when they do actually step forward when they actually dare to step through the door. And so that's the question. Are we healthy in that way? And uh, the contrast is, the yeah, when, when you actually see someone new walking through the door of our church, do you talk to them? Or not? 
do you just talk to your friend? And when there's somebody who's obviously new here, do you say, can I help you? Can I just show you around a bit? Where's the nursery? Where's the washroom? That new people are truly welcomed here. Or do we, do we feel uncomfortable and we make them feel uncomfortable and, and yeah, really we don't, don't do such a great job of welcoming them. This is a key aspect, an essential aspect of being the church, to be that welcoming body, to be healthy as God would want us to be as a church. That brings us to our text here in Acts 15. That question is being discussed here in Acts 15. In Acts 15, verse 19, it says, we should not make it difficult. We should not make it difficult for people who might be thinking of coming and being part of the faith and part of this fellowship. We should not make it difficult for them. In the New Testament church, up to Acts 15, if you've been doing the reading, you notice this too, the the New Testament church up to Acts 15 thought it was, and it, it looked like a pretty healthy church. All kinds of things going on, and At this point, they find out that they're really not. And so that's, it's good to think about what what do we need to do uh, to reflect to on on what would Jesus have us do and are we healthy in our own eyes or, or do we really need to reflect on what Jesus would want us to do and the church here finds that they are not a healthy church. That church in Jerusalem They were not being welcoming, as Jesus would want them to be. The church at that time, uh, it feels that it's just for the Jews. And so definitely, God has worked through the Jews, no doubt. And Jesus was a Jew, absolutely. But now... Out of that rich background, the church is not simply an extension of all things Jewish. And Jesus has spoken in his ministry of of going to the Gentiles. He has gone through the Decapolis even. He's gone outside Israel and ministered for a time to the Gentiles. And Paul's mission, vision, is to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And even the quote here in Acts 15 from Amos is a quote which says, all the Gentiles will bear my name. Verse 17, that that whole understanding, which was there in the Old Testament, absolutely, people like Rahab and Ruth, who were welcomed into God's family, that's absolutely possible, and that's absolutely part of what the vision was. But it all got narrowed down to just the Jewish people, and that was not what Jesus intended. And it's interesting how this works in Acts 15. Uh, Paul, the evangelist, is, is going out and, and doing, doing the work Jesus has called him to do. And so in verse 4, it says too, uh, they came to Jerusalem and they... They told the apostles and elders everything God had been doing. And, and so God had been 
saving the Gentiles. But then to get those enfolded in the church was a challenge. And later on here, as, as Peter stands up, it says uh, in verse 7 too, Peter got up and addressed them, uh, and he said too, uh, in verse 8, God who knows the heart shows that he accepted them, Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit. And verse 9, he does not discriminate. What is Peter thinking? Peter had that vision that vision off the, on the roof of, of the sheet coming down and the animals in it and eating, and then a non-Jewish practice of, of diet. And then, and then he had people from Cornelius come to the door, and, and this centurion Cornelius, Peter went to his house. You're not allowed to go to his house. You're not allowed to go in his house. Peter went in his house, and, and, and he received a spirit, this centurion, this Roman centurion. He is different, different, different in every way, except that he knows and loves Jesus. And so he needs to be part of the church. And so what do you do? How do you get the church to welcome him? So that's what they're talking about. That's what they're looking at. The challenge is there. What is the church to do? And the answer that comes initially from the Pharisees in verse 5 is that we should have them circumcised and that they are required to keep the law of Moses. Make them Jewish. It would almost be, um, we, we as a church generally, generally have a bit of a reputation, yeah, we are a Dutch church. I still hear it once in a while. Now that's right. So, so in the minds of people that we might go to, they say, well, you can't be part of the church unless you're Dutch. And we, we know that that's wrong. That's completely wrong. But there's a perception. Now this, in, in the story here, it wasn't even, it was absolutely uh, understood. You need to be Jewish, really to be part of the church of Jesus. And in order for that to, to get worked out, it says, it says they need to be circumcised, that's one thing. Uh, then it, they need to keep the law of Moses. So we're thinking the Ten Commandments. No, what they had out of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Jews had dis, discerned 613 laws. 613 and so anybody walking through the door needed to learn and know and live those laws. And these were not iffy laws. These were you had to do this exactly all the time. And so that is difficult. That comes out of a sense in the church, an attitude, an idea that somehow they have earned their salvation, that, that we have somehow made ourselves acceptable in God's eyes because we are so good. It's our obedience somehow. And so we are acceptable, but others are not. And so, so that, that whole side of things takes the view off of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. And the whole group comes back 
to that truth that that no, it is it is only in Christ that we, any of us, deserve to be here. But the feeling is still in us as a church sometimes to make it difficult for new people because we we are a little better and we know better. How how do we make it difficult at times? There there's some obvious ways if if people walk in and, and you don't talk to them. <laughs> It's pretty obvious that they're not welcome here. Or if they're standing in the hallway and, and you walk by them into the coffee room and they're standing thinking, hmm, you ignore them completely. And they, they get the message. Pretty obvious. You're not welcome here. So, I mean, we, we have this tendency to, maybe we don't mean it. We're just all busy, whatever, but... Why are we here? What are we doing? We need to be a welcoming body. So, so to have some things that, that are clearly welcoming. I think maybe you've noticed too that he took out another bench here so that Steve could actually sit nicely here. And so, so you try to just make some adjustment, right? For people... Yeah, we want to make it as welcoming, obviously welcoming. People should be welcomed and should feel welcome here. There are also more subtle things, and, and we'll have to think more about how, how we can work this out. But I was, when, when we went south to visit with the family, we had our family reunion just uh, two Sundays ago, and we were at the church uh, with the family in southern Illinois, nice little church, um, and and we were talking with with cousins Chris Chris and Wendy. We said, "How did you come to this church?" And then and then, well, they said they 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 had moved there a number of years ago, and and they'd gone uh, drove around different churches. And and as they drove around, they came to one church. They were gonna go in. They didn't know anybody, but they were gonna go in and just see if this might be a church for them. But as they drove by, they noticed in the parking lot, all the vehicles were looking pretty good. It wasn't like they were super new, but they weren't really old. And all the vehicles were, and they drive around an old clunker. <laughs> and, and what are you saying? Well, they would have been welcome, I think, in that church. But, but, but the message, they're, 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 people pick up things in different ways, right? And, and just to be aware of, of what we do and how people perceive what we do and try to just be more welcoming, more gracious, more accepting of a wide variety of how people respond to the gospel and seek to live out their faith. So there are, there are obvious things we can definitely just take to heart. Be welcoming. Don't ignore people. Come alongside. Do things that, that help people to be comfortable. The elevator is good for people coming in. But then what other things? And to reflect too, how do we subtly push people away? In Acts 15, the, the transformation is amazing. They come to an understanding. And it says, uh, verse 9 and 11, the faith clearly focused on Jesus Christ and his grace to us alone. We are saved by faith. 
and we are we are, are just receiving that by grace just uh, anyone who believes through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ verse 11 we are saved just as they are we come together in Christ and then and then they are led by the spirit verse 19 not to make it difficult and they cut those 613 laws down to three it's four but basically three main areas that's huge they are struck, what can we do to not make it difficult? And from 613 to three, really. And the three focus clearly on who Christ is. Refraining from food offered to idols. There, there is that, that reality in the culture, idol worship. No, we don't do that. We worship Jesus. So the focus moves totally back to Jesus. Sexual immorality Jesus said, in his holiness, in his purity, focus on me. Focus on marriage in Christ. And so that, that sense of sexual purity comes back to the purity of Christ. And then the blood requirements point back to the blood of Jesus, which we recognize as the blood that cleanses us from our sins. So any sense of... of yeah, strangled animals, the blood in them, or, or don't be involved with blood. All of that comes back to the truth of Jesus who shed his blood for our sins. And so their focus, again, is on our central hope in Christ. And that needs to be lived out. And so that's what they address as they respond to this concern. That's what we need to stress as well. There are many peripheral things and expectations and, and things, yeah, even baggage that we, we carry, a certain dress, a certain habit, a certain preference that we impose on others. We need to let those go. And to be a healthy church, clearly focusing on the grace and welcome of Christ. Can we be a church like that? I know we're trying, but to nurture that is going to be part of that renewal process as well. How can we do that better? And so just a few things initially. To be humble, a constant challenge for us. We, we feel so much too. We're better. We know better. We do it better. Well, let's humbly see, reflect welcome those who might see it a little different also when when there is a difference of opinion when things uh, come up like even here in acts all of a sudden they were really confronted with this and they they sat down and they discussed it and they worked it through that's a healthy church where where we look at things where we reflect on things where we we can ask the hard questions we can work it through and then we can go forward together in faith. Also, really out of this passage, to give permission to not micromanage other people's lives, all 600 little details in their life. We don't need to micromanage everybody else's life. Our own lives take responsibility there, first of all. And then, as we look at others, 
we are all at different stages of sanctification. And the fact that somebody doesn't do something quite exactly the way you feel they should, well, give them some grace. They are on the journey. And we walk alongside and encourage and help them along the way. They will get there in God's time. And even out of Acts 15, to listen well. Acts 15, they are listening to each other. James gets up. Peter gets up. Paul gets up. People, people listening to each other, talking to each other, hearing each other, and hearing God who speaks a word of grace into that church. People of Bethel, as we think about renewal, as we desire to be the church Jesus wants us to be, we acknowledge it can be hard for us at times to be this welcoming fellowship. We can acknowledge that. We want to prayerfully reflect on that together and ask Jesus by the Spirit to make us more and more that welcoming place. And as we do that, that he would build his kingdom here in us. Amen. We are going to respond, first of all, by saying the Apostles' Creed together. And the reason we're doing that is because it is an example of the church through the ages.